The 66 podcast for all the people and places between the west coast of Cumbria and the Tees Valley. This is the UK's answer to Route 66. Hello and welcome to the 66 Voices podcast from the 66 Group. My name is Bryony Cartledge. I'm the host of this podcast as well as being the project manager for Eden Arts. This is the first edition and we are honoured to be able to host this conversation for Black History Month UK. This podcast is a conversation between Janet Walker, one half of Flock Marketing and PR, chair of new organisation Anti-Racist Cumbria. And we are also joined by Nakaya Heron. Nakaya works for us here at Eden Arts after moving from America to the UK two years ago. If you would like to join in the conversation, you can do that by sending us a message on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Find us on Instagram as 66 People Places, Facebook, we are simply The 66 and Twitter, The 66 UK. I'm going to hand over to Janet and Nakaya now. They have a few questions to ask each other, so let's dive in. Okay, so, well, I'm Janet Walker. Um, I am the chair of Anti-Racist Cumbria, uh, a relatively, well, a very newly formed organisation. Um, and um, it's Black History Month, and it's a great time to come and talk to Eden Arts. Well, we are happy that you are here, and I'm happy to meet you. I'm Nakaya Heron, and I'm the administrator here at Eden Arts. And, uh, yeah, just excited to get into the Black History Month celebration with uh, just a nice chat with a new friend, hopefully. Absolutely, (laughs) absolutely. And we should point out that it's Black History Month UK because, Nakaya, you're American. Yes, I am. If, if, if you can't tell by the accent, <laughs> uh, I am definitely American. Well, I was talking to somebody, you say that, I was talking to somebody the other day, and I said, oh, well, with your American accent, and they went, actually, I'm Canadian. Oh, yeah. So, obviously, yeah. sometimes the British, we don't always... Yeah, it can be tricky. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think I probably have more of a California-ish sound, so... It's a little different from that that Canadian sound, but uh, okay, okay, but yeah, I know it would be difficult, yeah. difficult to understand. Maybe. Yeah, it's just hard for us to pick up the the new. Well, yeah, I, I, I'm saying that <laughs> people listening are probably going to be saying, "Well, actually, I, I can tell," but I always struggle to to sort of hear the difference, the the little nuances between the two. Well, it's interesting too because, like, now that I'm living here and I've been living here for two years, um, noticing the differences in the accents. From one part of the country to the next, mm-hmm. um, it's it you know it, because in America all we really ever get to hear is like that either Cockney sound on television, yeah. the the kind of London accent, yeah. or else the high English as yes. they say. Absolutely. So I wasn't aware that there's like all these just regional these dialects. Regions, yeah, and, and even so, within the regions, there's there's smaller dialects as well so it's (laughs) broken down even more I'm from Leeds in Yorkshire and when I came to Cumbria you know sort of the south of Cumbria is very different to the north of Cumbria Mm. and to the west of Cumbria so quite a lot of people in the north of Cumbria are from Newcastle Um, and then further over into the west it's a real old mix of all kinds of different accents and so many words that I'm just literally like what? What? <laughs> what did you just say? <laughs> what, what does that mean? <laughs> right, right. Now, that's my husband when he gets around, you know, other Cumbrians, because he is Cumbrian. Oh, okay. Um, when he, you know, gets around his friends and that, and I I just get lost. I I just sit back and let them and go. Let them I go. have no idea what's going on sometimes. Oh, my gosh, yeah, it must be quite weird sometimes. Absolutely. Yeah. And we should say as well that, yes, we are celebrating Black History Month, UK, um, but, uh, and we are both black. Yes, we are. We are both black, yes. so um, they haven't just brought us in and plonked us in here and said, oh, you two people, 
going to talk about blockage to it. But okay. <laughs> no, we definitely have a bit of experience speaking about blackness and yeah. uh, black history and black culture. So yeah, uh, yeah, I think we're the right two people for this uh, job. <laughs> yes, I think so. Yeah, I think we can we can call ourselves suitably qualified. Yeah. <laughs> so tell me a bit about personally. I'm I'm just going to say to you, give me three bits of your personal life. You've already indicated that your husband's Cumbrian, so you can't yeah. use that one again. <laughs> <laughs> Although I do want to know a bit more about hubs. Um, but just give me just give me three bits of your personal life so we can just get to have a feel of who you are. Well, um, we have already discussed the fact that I'm American and not from here. But um, one thing that's quite personal is that I was born and raised in Detroit, Michigan, and I... Um, come from a single parent home. Okay. And uh, my mother, I was with my mother and uh, it was fantastic. I mean, I had a great childhood, you know, growing up with her and uh, my grandparents were very present in my life as well. Her, my mother's parents. Okay. Uh, It it was always like being with a best friend growing Mm. up um, with my mom. Was it just you and your mom? It was just my mom. I have no siblings. I'm an only child. So there's another bit of personal. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I'm an only child. So, yeah, it was just always... You know, my mom and me, and uh-huh. uh, we 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 just did everything together. Yeah. So that was really important. So you were um, close. Oh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Is your close. mom still with us? Yes, she is. Oh, cool. Yeah, she is excellent. She, uh, I miss her because she's in America. Yeah. She's in my. She actually lives in Miami, uh, and yeah, she was supposed to come here this mm-hmm. summer for mm-hmm. a visit, and unfortunately, yeah. weren't able to make that happen. And but, how is she doing? How is she doing in all of this? Well, like she and my stepdad. Um, they're, they've been mostly shielding mm-hmm. because, you know, age yep. and, and, and health things as well. Mm-hmm. So they've just kind of been laying low and, 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 and so thankfully, thankfully they're healthy. Oh, that's good. So, uh, you know, as far as, uh, COVID goes, yes. I was trying, I didn't want to mention that. I know, but, <laughs> I know, but it, 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 it likes it's to like, rear its head. It is a really strange time actually, because I don't know what it's been like for you. And obviously we've had, you know, we're here in part because, of what happened to George Floyd and the um, the galvanization of the Black Lives Matter movement. And for me, once that happened, it kind of really overtook COVID. You know, there were days when mm-hmm. I'd be talking to people, I'd be like, oh, yes, and this and that, and they'd go COVID, I'd be like, oh yeah, COVID. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, because yeah. It, for, for, for Black people, I think it became as important and as up there as as COVID. Oh, absolutely. And especially when, you know, we were out there protesting and, you know, this COVID thing was going on, but it was that important that we're like, you know what, our lives are already at risk. So we're going to go out here. We're going to stand up for ourselves. We're going to go out and, you know, speak up for ourselves. And even in this protesting manner and try to do it right, wearing masks and things, but, uh, you know, there was, I think, for us as Black people and people of color, uh, a, a, like a more important issue that's been around much longer than COVID. Yeah. So and will stay much exactly. longer than COVID. You know, it's still going to be here when they get when they yeah. find the vaccine. We are all still going to be Black. <laughs> that's right. It's not going to change. Um, and well, back to your question, your personal questions. I don't know if I, I kind of gave like I'd say two. Yeah, one yeah. being with my mom. Mm-hmm. Two being. Uh, an only child. And, and, and I mean, I'll speak on the other side of that, you know, personally, um, 
did not have much of a relationship with my father okay. uh, growing up. So I know where he is. Mm-hmm. He's alive. Mm-hmm. Um, was a time where, you know, I tried to probably like in my early to mid 20s. Mm-hmm. I don't want to tell how old I am, but I'm definitely beyond that <laughs> age. It's cool because the black don't crack. That's so right. Oh, we, we still look yes, like we're in our mid 20s. It's right. cool. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so. Um, you know, at, at one point, I feel like that did affect my life, like not having him there. But like I said, with my mom, we we're so close and, you know, she was just everything to me. And then mm-hmm. having my grandparents and, mm-hmm. and my grandfather, yeah. who was, you know, a big part of my life was was like a father to yeah. me. So, yeah. Um, yeah it's, so you have that father figure that, and stability. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because I think it's one of these things that are very much... Um, there's a real assumption, isn't there, that as um, black people, we grow up without the, often grow up without the father in the home, you know, yeah. and that, you know, we, we grow up as, as as children just with our moms yeah. and the impact and the long term effect that has, particularly for boys as well, um, not having that strong father figure in the home. And I think a lot of people think that everyone lives like that. Right. And, and that's not, it's definitely not the case. I mean, a lot of my friends, I'm sure it was I'd have to sit and think about it, but, you know, maybe it was 50-50 because I've got plenty of friends who grew up with both parents in the house. So, you know, I don't think it's something that runs rampant within our culture alone or within our ethnicity alone. Absolutely, absolutely. But it's kind of a a, a, um, maybe more universal thing or or national epidemic where family is not as important in a lot of westernized countries I absolutely agree I grew up with with both my parents so yeah. we, we you know we, that's 50% right there isn't it you yeah know, there's two yeah. people in the room one of us did one of us didn't right but I think we're often portrayed more often than not that we right. uh, grew up as with, with just a mother in the home and, and the yeah. fathers the black fathers are always absent yeah, and that's just a total misconception yeah. Yeah. and yeah, something amongst that, many. Amongst many, yeah, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have a, a personal question for okay, you. Go for it. And um I'm wondering what your relationship has been like with your black skin. That's a fantastic question. Okay, so <laughs> it's, it's it's I love my black skin now. When I was a young girl so when I was in my you know sort of coming up to being a teenager 12 13 um I was I hated my black skin I was uncomfortable Mm -hmm. with it um I had everything I had seen about my black skin skin led me to believe that my skin was ugly that I was ugly um my hair was horrible um everything about me was the absolute opposite of everything that you should be there Mm -hmm. was no blonde hair there were no blue eyes I had a great big bumper Mm -hmm. as a bottom Mm -hmm. I had the sturdy legs you know I had the mouth I had the attitude the whole of it was all there um some of it is still there I'm very proud to say yeah and so there was a really traumatic time when I look back now how much I hated that I remember not being able to find not wanting to wear makeup because I was so worried that people would 
um, call me names, mm-hmm. particularly a gollywog. A gollywog was really prevalent at that time in Europe. I don't know if the gollywog was big in America. Not really, but I, I've, I've you know since I've it. lived yeah. here, yeah. So the gollywog had a had a had a had a, had a, had a uh, the Afro kind of halo and very red lips. Mm-hmm. And so the thought for me of wearing lipstick was terrifying because I did have that kind of hair. And if I put lipstick on, I thought everyone would call me a gollywog. And it was, yeah. it was a terrifying, horrible yeah. time. Um, and so we, we just didn't identify at all with our blackness. Mm-hmm. Uh, we found it, uh, I say we, I can only speak to myself, but I know when I've spoken to family and friends, everyone felt the same. Although yeah. at the time we didn't really express it that way. So we tried to make ourselves small. I tried to make myself small. I tried to make myself invisible. Yeah. Um, and I came out fighting. So if people tried to attack in any way, I was very much known as a trouble causer, very defensive, very angry. But that was my way of protecting that myself. Was your defense. It was Absolutely. my defense. It was the way to close yeah. myself in yeah. and to to keep myself safe and to to keep myself away from all that trauma. Although I, don't, I didn't realize at the time it was trauma that I was running away from. It was that fear of being black. Right. Um, and, you know, want, not wanting to be the, the last girl to be asked to dance at the disco or the the only girl to not have a boyfriend so so where you grew up was it predominantly white was or were you were there other black people say in school with you how what was the so we had a real mixed sort of upbringing because um we so I'm a descendant of the Windrush generation my my, my parents were from Jamaica um and uh they were part of the Windrush generation uh, and they had five of us I'm the youngest of five siblings and we initially grew, started in a in a very mixed kind of area, I would say, lots of lots of black people, lots of Jamaicans. Um, and then as we got to sort of those teenage years, um, my my parents were offered an opportunity to live on a brand new housing estate mm. in an area called Shadwell. Shadwell was very, very predominantly white. Um, this housing estate had a few mixed people, but mainly on the whole, it was very white. So my, what was called then middle schools, we don't have that so much now. We normally mm-hmm. go from primary to secondary. But We've got I'm middle s- schools in America. Oh, okay. So, yeah. <laughs> so I'm so old, I went to a middle school. Um, and when we went to that middle school, my, me and my sister were the only two. My, my older brothers and sisters had gone on to, si- on to high school. So me and my sister were the only two black people um, mm. in the school. Um, and that was really, really tough. That was really hard. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there was no, in those days, the racism was very overt. Mm-hmm. So kids were allowed to call your names and there was no um, pulling back from that. And teachers were allowed to, to treat you however they wanted. So, yeah. so it was a tough time. Now I celebrate my black skin. I yes. love it to the point of vanity. Yes, I love I, that. Yeah, <laughs> I rejoice in it. I There is nothing... I would like, I like mm-hmm. more than being black. And, you know, one of the best acc- accolades for me is that my daughters are of mixed heritage. I have two little girls and they're okay. of mixed heritage. And so their skin is the more the caramel. Their dad is white. Yeah. So their skin is more caramel um, or light brown or whatever description you want to give that. Um, but both of them constantly say to me, Mommy, I wish my skin was oh, as dark as yours. Wow. I really love how dark and rich your skin is. I would love my <laughs> skin to be like that. 
and that to me yeah. is the best accolade you could ever have. Absolutely. I mean that that I, I have I can completely relate. And as I've you know gotten older and wiser, I do appreciate my skin more as well. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. hair. Oh yeah, you know? we can do so much with it. <laughs> so much with it. It's so versatile. Yeah. And, you know, it's versatile to the point that please get off my hair. Stop touching it. But it is. Oh yeah, it is amazing <laughs> to have. That's a whole other podcast we could talk about. Oh, hair just on its own, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But yeah, so so it's it's great to have become that far and be that real role model for my girls so that they feel yeah. that strong presence of, of blackness and there's nothing to hide behind or be ashamed of. Yeah, um, that's good. So it's good. Yeah. It's good to be there. Excellent. Cool. Yeah. So 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 what else are we discussing today? We, tell me well, okay, so you've been here for two years, you said at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're here at Eden Arts. That's not two years, though. No, no. I've I've only been at Eden Arts since the end of June. Okay. Uh, 2020. So we we're in. <laughs> tell us about work then. Tell us what where we started in America, in terms of work, and how we've ended up over here, <laughs> and also in terms of work. What's 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 the bat story? Well. My work history in America is quite interesting. <laughs> um, for years, I was actually a manicurist, uh-huh. and uh, I did that for like 14 years. Um, and in the meantime, I was uh, I'd moved from Detroit to Los Angeles, was pursuing a career in entertainment, and uh, specifically acting. So I was doing that, but still had to be able to pay the bills. Yeah. So uh, I worked as a manicurist, and uh and then I ended up meeting a, a guy over there who I married and we started a plumbing company wow. because he was already a plumber. I wasn't doing the plumbing. I was doing the admin. Okay. So that's where I got a lot of my admin and uh, bookkeeping experience. Uh, so, yeah, then sadly, uh, he and I didn't work out mm-hmm. and we, we got divorced. And then I ended up meeting this guy playing a, an online or an, a, an app on the phone. It's like Scrabble app. It's called Words with Friends. I don't know if you're familiar. No. But it's like Scrabble, but it's it's different. And it's got this chat function. And he started this uh, sort of random game with me out of nowhere. And I thought, okay, why not? I'll just play this game with him. And uh, he, he started chatting to me within the game. And I thought, oh, no, like, I don't want to talk to you. Like, what's going on? But we just kept on talking and make a long story short. Next thing you knew, we were we were Skyping and uh, we just we really hit it off. So uh, he came to America to see me. And then a month later, I saw him and uh, here in, in the UK. And yeah, we just we kind of went from there. And so we decided to get married. I moved over after that. And then it was like, oh, I need to work. So <laughs> So that was really like a challenging starting yeah. over in a new country yeah. and a very white county. Well, yeah, in America, <laughs> were you still sort of very much in the black community? Is that where you uh, were kind of living? Or was it, it really- I was always, you know, for the most part in a mixed community. Okay. Uh, I, I grew up in the suburbs of Detroit. Uh, we, we, I was born and raised kind of in the city. And then we moved to the suburbs when I was roughly eight years old okay and so and it was we were one of the first black families in that suburb but there were others and so it was it was quite mixed and that's pretty much how I grew up and then LA is 
you know, a big city yeah. full of all kinds of people, probably like, you know, London yeah. or something. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I've always just been around a lot of, of different people. So, um, but yeah, coming here, uh, which it, it was, it was a bit shocking. It was a bit of <laughs> culture shock for sure. And, uh, you know, wondering how it was going to be perceived mm-hmm. and, and, and even in, um, in regards to getting work yeah. because, you know, if they're not used to someone like me being around, am I going to be accepted? Am I going to be hireable? Mm. And uh, yeah, so that was one of my concerns. And did you have any any difficult experiences? I mean, obviously you're at the fabulous Eden Arts. Yeah, <laughs> you know, well, I, great was, team. I, I ended up, I landed at the right place. Honestly, mm. I put in a few applications um, at that time when I was looking for work and um yeah, Eden Arts got in touch, okay. and um, I liked the vibe of them. And at, at first, I mean, I think they liked the vibe of me, the vibe of me. But um, you know, whether or not I was going to be qualified for the position was another yeah. <laughs> question. Absolutely. But I think you know, we just were kind of feeling each other, mm-hmm. and they're like, okay, we want to get you in here. Yeah. And so they, you know, kind of paved the way for me, and so that's been great because I love it. It's it's good people and um I feel very much like I fit in and yeah. sort of part of the family and part of the crew. So um yeah, so it, it's it's definitely been a challenge mm-hmm. like adjusting to the way things are done here and even just the language and even though it's like it's still English, yeah. but it's so different yeah. from American English. But you know, it's it's when you come to a place, you kind of do as the people like when in Rome. When in Rome, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how's it? So are you are you living in Penrith? Are you in? Are you here? Uh, we're just outside of of Penrith, like between Penrith and Carlisle. Okay, and, all uh, right. So not many black folk. No, um, no. I'm the probably the only one in that little village. There okay. is a Mexican lady. Oh wow. Okay. All right. <laughs> So I've met her and so we talk sometimes, but uh yeah, no. Uh I'm I'm probably the only one over there. But and 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 funny because when I first came to Penrith to visit, at the time my husband was living here in Penrith, and I remember us, you know, driving and going places through town and I'm looking around like, where's the black people? Where are <laughs> they? And I think the entire I was here for about two and a half weeks, and I think in that time I saw like one probably mixed race person. Did you kind of wave and start smiling at the madly? You know, the nod, the nod and smile. We smile and we nod. But yeah, uh, yeah, that was, that was a bit, but, but at the same time, I didn't really feel uncomfortable. No one made me feel uncomfortable. So that's good. Yeah, that's a good thing. Um, So as far as you and your work, is there any way that you feel that being a black woman has helped you in your work? Ooh, um, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, let's be blunt, right? <laughs> um, do you know what? I think. So my back, my back, my backstory is that I'm a lawyer. I was a lawyer. I was a lawyer okay. for eighteen years. Starting to give indications of age, aren't we? Uh, <laughs> I was a lawyer for 18 years before I then switched. I left the law about four or five years ago and started um, an events company um, with my now business partner, Sophia. We run an events company down in, in Windermere called Flock. 
Um, and as a, um, a black woman in the law, we... It, 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 it was it was an interesting time. We when I came here, when I was in, so I worked in London for a long time. Different kind of vibe, um, obviously more progressive. Still interesting. I had white females as my bosses generally, mm-hmm. and um, there was definitely a tension there. Um, the 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 inability to accept constructive comments or challenges from a black woman was very 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 apparent yeah um I had to work harder to get to where I wanted to be when I looked at my peers um and the um the way that they were treated um and when I moved to Cumbria um I have, I've had mixed experiences as a lawyer. Okay. Um, I've worked in different places. Um, that f- feeling of, well, but she's black mm. is ever present. Mm-hmm. It's never verbalised. No one's ever going to say to you, but you're black, especially right. in the law, because they're lawyers and they know not to say anything too out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was always that but Right, um, right. And I was certainly, I was certainly passed over for promotion. Um, my um, my salaries were um, often less than um, yeah. people on the same level as me. Um, so that it was what it was one of the reasons why I thought I've I've reached the end of my line. Yeah, I'm not do going to go any own, further. Yeah, you're going to do your I'm own thing. I'm going to do my own thing. Um, so so yeah, so it's been interesting. Now I I'm obviously self-employed. Um, my business partner is my equal. We are two peas in the same pod. Nice. Um, we um, we have our spats in a good way. Yeah. We challenge each other. She's very much a feminist. Um, we are both very big on um, diversity. So having those two elements of that, mm-hmm. all diversities, but obviously we've got the female and then we've got black as well. Mm-hmm. They're two very strong elements. And is your, bu- your business partner, though, she's white. She's right? white. Okay. Yeah. 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 The, getting a black business partner in Cumbria was always going to be a challenge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Even in Windermere, which is, which is, you know, we've got, we've got Windermere, you've got the sound flakes where more black and brown people come in mm-hmm. than you would say, see perhaps up here in Penrith. And then obviously on the other side of Penrith, you've got Carlisle, which again, probably right. has a bigger uh, minority community. Um, but yeah, that we are still very, very few and far between. The population of um, Cumbria is around 500,000 and we make up black, brown and other minorities make mm-hmm. up 2% of that. So wow. we are very, very, yeah. very much in the minority. <laughs> so, but obviously now, I mean, my time as a lawyer saw me saw me right because um, I made lots and lots of contacts. I have lo- I know lots and lots of people. There's not anyone really in Cumbria that I don't know or cannot get to if I need to through That's somebody good, else. Yeah. So that experience has really helped in then running your own biz- business. Um, it's been interesting becoming the chair of Anti-Racist Cumbria mm-hmm. um, because people are now seeing me in a different light and they are finding that uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, you yeah. know, I'm not that I'm not that Janet anymore who was black, but just kind of was, you know, we never heard about those issues because yeah. she she kept those for a private life and talked to her family and friends about those right. things. She never brought them into the mainstream. Yeah. that And that often comes up where it's like, oh, but you're different. Like, I've heard that a lot growing up and growing up around 
white people and uh it's like oh but no no you're different and it's like well no I'm not I'm 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 still black and and the same issues that affect those other people of which you speak (laughs) they those issues affect me as well um you know so but it's quite interesting isn't it that people seem to think that That it doesn't affect you're you're separate because you've come into the white community to live and work and therefore it doesn't affect you anymore, but we still are subjected to all the microaggressions. Absolutely. I still had issues in the workplace. You know, all those things that are affecting black people worldwide were still affecting me just That's because right. I'd come into your community. It didn't mean that they disappeared. That's and right. so they're finding, I'm seeing a different side from, from friends and and work mm-hmm. colleagues and and there's a there's a lot of tiptoeing around me well, and we've been comfortable for too long I think we all yeah. kind of sat back in yeah. in our complacence yes. and um you know now it's time to get right now is a great time to be uncomfortable absolutely yeah. absolutely and I, I think we were as guilty as that you know we got we got we got complacent mm-hmm. we all went to sleep yes and then covid what we're not talking about today <laughs> happened and the, the world shifted on its axle and mm-hmm. black people kind of woke up and went Hey, what? Hang on a minute. Yeah, this still isn't right, and it's up to us to do something about it at the end of the day because no one's going to do it for us. I have a friend, um, she who's down in um, in Windermere, a black friend. Um, she's actually in Kendall, and um, we were both laughing the other day at how we just kind of integrated ourselves so completely and wholly that we kind of mm-hmm. forgot our own selves. Yeah. In that, and she said to me, you know, Janet, I knew that I'd made it when I was able to buy, and I forget the name of the bag now, but it was it was a it was, it was one of these things that all, all mothers of young children kind of aspired to. She was like, you know, I've really made calf kitchen. I've made it. I've got a calf kitchen oh. bag. You know, we're both we were literally laughing at how how ridiculous yeah. we'd become. Yeah. Um, and I'd lost our own sense of self, really. Yeah. Um, and the whole Black Lives Matter was really we awoke on that. Yes. Absolutely. And galvanised yeah. us as much as anybody else. <laughs> so it's it, yeah, it's all there. So I have a question to you about heritage. Okay. Because one of the things that I always hear um, Black Americans describe themselves as, as is African Americans, mm-hmm. and it's quite interesting hearing you today saying um, Black because mm-hmm. quite I, I, we don't really hear that. We often hear you describe yourselves as. African Americans. That's my terrible American accent. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, okay, you but try. Where, so, so where's that come from? What's the history behind that? I, you know, for me personally, I have always been comfortable saying black. I think we've gone through this sort of like arc of what's acceptable and how we refer to ourselves, because I think it also had to do with us trying to discover who we really are Mm -hmm. and you know there was a time when we weren't really allowed or supposed to explore that Mm -hmm. um that time's coming back Trump wants that to come back he's saying saying, none of this in my schools or educational establishments Uh, no and and and, (laughs) let's just hope in a couple weeks we will know that we won't have to deal with that anymore I have voted yeah that piece of legislation is gone yes gone yeah uh but yeah I think because you know we we started out with you know sort of the term negro and then it went to colored, Mm. which I've actually heard people around here use the term colored. And the first time I heard it, it shocked me. But I knew that the person I was speaking with, it it wasn't this like, you know, dig or this derogatory Mm. thing. It was legitimately 
what she believed was the acceptable way to refer to a person with my skin color, yeah. you know, colored. And, you know, it's very archaic and mm. kind of unused. And we don't we don't say that in um, in the U.S. So it was shocking. But anyway, we, we went from colored. And then I think probably in the 70s when it was sort of this, um, you know, as we come out of civil rights mm. and and just like this, um, I'm black and I'm proud yeah. phase. It was like Afro American. It was reclaiming. We're reclaiming that that African part of us. Mm. And then we were also using the term blacks, I think, throughout because we referred to us as blacks. And so, <laughs> um, you know, we, we use black and black American. And then it, you know, it became, I think, a proudness of the African side. And so it's mm. like, let's not shorten African. Let's not be Afro. Let's be African American. Mm. Uh, and for me, it's, I don't, I, I guess it's kind of one in the same. Yeah. Um, I tend to say black more just mm. because I, I, I find it a casual thing. And also, um, the truth of the matter is as much as I am African American, I'm also, Native American, I mm -hmm. have that in me. Mm -hmm. There is European ancestry in of me. Course. So, um, and and I and I do like to be able to recognize all these different parts because they make me who I am. Absolutely. But you know, obviously, look if, if someone looks at me, yeah. then I'm black. Yeah. You know, yeah, I'm, I'm African. Yeah. And I think that's the thing because quite for for us here, black as we, we you you touched on the colored term and. I have still heard people in Cumbria um, using the using the word coloured, and I've had to challenge them and say, you know, we we, we don't use the term coloured anymore. Right. We use the term black and open their whole discomfort of having been challenged <laughs> by a coloured person <laughs> to give to give it the right term. Um, so yes, yeah, so we still do get that, but we would co definitely consider ourselves if we were to have to describe, we would black British or mm -hmm. black African or black. African Caribbean, yeah, they we have a whole gambit. You know, you get these forms, and they tell you to fill in the equal opportunities bit, and you're like, oh, I uh, know, there's so much more other because I've got to take six of them to be able <laughs> exactly. to cover anything that I am. Um, but yeah, I just it was just one of those things where you you, you do notice it much more in America, and mm -hmm. I did wonder if that was it's quite it's quite lovely actually to hear you sort of say you know no, actually this is why we we use that term because I always wondered whether it was more of a case of we don't want to say we don't want to identify with the blackness we'd rather identify with no. the with the nation rather than the color well you know and the other interesting thing though is because in the United States of America they tried to strip the African from us yes and so it we are so many of us most of us are so far removed from the idea of yeah. being african yeah. and the thing that i notice living here in the uk is it's a much a much closer connection yeah. to the african yeah. um you know generationally i mean we're in in the us we're several generations separated yeah. or departed from mm. our Africanism mm. Mm. whereas here it's I think a closer connection I, I think you know right. maybe only a few generations mm -hmm. 
uh, to, I mean, and obviously it dates way back as well mm-hmm. that, the, that the Africans were um, here in this country. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I think we just are further removed. And yeah. now we realize like we're, we're proud of that. We're proud of that part of us, the African, and we want to reconnect. So many people, for instance, they've got these DNA tests and things that yes. you can do now. Yes. And, and I've actually done because I was curious. I want to know like what part of, what I, I don't even know what part of yeah. Africa my ancestors, you know, from, were from. Yeah. And so I, I wanted to know, I'm like, what, what, where did I come from? What part? I want to know more yeah, about the Africans. Absolutely. And so, yeah, we were reconnecting and, with that. And, and at school, did you learn about African history at all? Was that part of your... Yeah, we got that watered down. Yeah, the watered down version, yeah. <laughs> we yeah. got the watered down, yeah. the, the, the nice part. Yeah, the nice part, the, the things you know, that, you know, white got, people came and did for Africans. Yeah, we've got, <laughs> we got, we, we heard about the Martin Luther King, mm-hmm. but not so much about the Malcolm X that was something we had to kind of dig into a little yeah. deeper ourselves. That wasn't really in the history books, but the Martin Luther King yeah. was, you know, yeah. in the history books. Yeah. Um, yeah. The Rosa and Parks. The Rosa Parks. So it's interesting because a lot of our black history here is very much about the civil rights movement. Our black history in schools is effectively the civil rights movement, which is American, which is great to know about and understand mm-hmm. and connect with, but it's not really our British but it's history. Not British <laughs> black history, exactly. And so then we get the transatlantic um, slave trade, which um, is our history interrupted. We have so much more in our history, which is so much, which is rich. But we get told about the slave trade, usually painted very nicely towards the Brit- British rather than right. all the bad stuff. And then we hear about the Windrush generation. Sometimes right. uh, we get we, we get a bit of Windrush history. Well, see, um, and that's what that was the, my question about heritage for you mm-hmm. was what did you what do you feel is the most important aspect of your cultural heritage being black British that the world should know about that? Because I didn't I didn't even know a thing about black British history before I came here I, I was clueless and it, it's almost as if it didn't ex- exist in my world so. no it didn't exist in the world yeah it's not just in your world it's in the world worldwide it has it has almost been wiped from the history books wow. and one of the things that we want to do anti-racist Cumbria and black people generally I think as a whole now and obviously our allies is to actually bring that history back onto the table so that people begin to get an understanding that we did not just descend start as part of the transatlantic slave trade we were right back with the romans when they when Mm -hmm. we when we're taught about history in schools and we're taught about the tudors yeah bring out the black tudors because we were there (laughs) (laughs) you know we were right across the we were right across the board we were there with the egyptians we were there with jesus (laughs) you know let's go right back and teach our history properly because all all those facts have been wiped from yeah from what we're taught at school from what everybody's taught at school so no one knows that part of our heritage and for me that's the really important part because it is so so rich that we have made mm-hmm. such a massive contribution a massive contribution yeah and people in this country have no they idea they believe that we descended from slaves and only descended from slaves and no no one knows about the history that was before that and that history is so rich. All the history yeah. that's after that is literally. Th- so even when we when we talk about the civil rights movement at school, we talk about the American civil rights movement and Rosa Parks mm-hmm, back of the mm-hmm. bus. Um, but we had our own Bristol yeah. boycott right here. Yeah. Um, and it made massive changes. If you speak to the average person on the street, they've never heard of the, the Bristol, uh, Bristol boycott. Those guys are still alive. 
who um who organized the Bristol, the Bristol boycott, you know, why aren't we interviewing them? Why aren't they being talked about in schools? Why aren't we celebrating that Rosa Parks did it over there? But guess what? We did it here too. And they, and they often talk about, you know, preserving or maintaining this British history. I've he- I hear that a lot about British history on the news and in the media lately. And it's like, Okay, if we're gonna talk about it, let's talk about the entire thing. Let's Absolutely. not be selective. Let's not be selective. And that's really all we're asking for is let's not be selective. Let's just give all the facts. And then people are fully informed and they can make their decisions, whether they're for or against a certain thing, whether they like black people, decide to be racist, whatever. Yeah. At least they are doing it <laughs> fully informed of all the exactly. information rather than yeah. just a bit that makes white people look good and there's nothing there for you so that's one of the big things that we're that we're pushing for which is which is a challenge you know the government don't want it um and so we 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 have to find other ways to yeah but we're used to we're used to fighting for it aren't we we're used to fighting for it we're used to fighting for it um so on a lighter note. <laughs> lighter note. Oh, because it can get subjects. it can get serious, but it's good. It needs to be discussed, and yeah. you know, it, it can get really serious. But you know, one of the things that I really love to talk about is food. Uh, um, love food. I love food. I do love to eat, and, and so when I was thinking about you know what would I ask Janet about food, um, I want to know what meal makes you feel like you're at home what what meal gives you that feeling of home that's so easy (laughs) (laughs) because like you I love food so I love food from all over the world I literally love food from everywhere there are a lot of people out there who say oh Janet you're so picky about food but I'm picky about how the food is mixed together, but <laughs> I love food from across all over the world. Mm-hmm. So I will I will eat my heart's content for most food. I don't eat I don't eat red meat and I think people think that she's fussy. I'm not. I just don't happen mm-hmm. to like red meat. Um <laughs> My my what I will call my soul food, and that's the question I'm gonna be asking you, <laughs> is um is rice and peas on a Sunday, Jamaican rice and peas and chicken. Yes. They are my Sunday go-to food. It was literally, that was what we had when we were growing up. As five kids, we had rice and peas and chicken. My favourite bit of the chicken was the wing. And I would be happy when I got the wing. My sister loved the neck. She still loves the neck. And everybody got the piece that they liked. Uh And that was Sunday dinner. And it was... It just makes your soul sing. I love so many fo- different foods, but when I go back to Leeds mm-hmm. and I go to my eldest sister, she will cook rice and peas and chicken. See, I had this alternative <laughs> question that I was thinking to ask, and I know that you are of West Indian, mm-hmm. Jamaican descent. Mm-hmm. And so my alternative question was, seriously, how important is rice in your life? Like that, and I wish now, I almost wish I would ask because you, 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 you knew it was like we were vibing. Yeah, absolutely. Because I'm also, you know, West Indian mm-hmm. descent, mm-hmm. Um, St. Kitts and St. Barbados. Kitts, okay, right, okay. And so we grew up with, with rice. Yeah. Yeah, that was it. It Staple was like food. rice and peas, rice and mm-hmm. peas. And then it just became like rice. And so I can't live without it. But, uh, yeah. yeah, and my girls are the same. It's exactly yeah. the same. You know, you know we, I introduced rice into their lives when they were very young and they literally like rice 
you know, people say, oh, it makes me laugh that the girls love rice as yeah. much. But I think it's just that part of that, it's that warm feeling, it's, you know, mm-hmm. back home in my house with my sisters and my brothers and mom and dad and just that whole family thing. And on a Saturday, my other, my other big soul food is Saturday soup. Mm. So we would have um, Saturday soup and I love it when I go home and my biggest, my eldest sister, she just gives me a big bowl, you know, with a lid on a big Tupperware mm-hmm. tub and she says, oh, that's for you and the girls and sends me home with, oh. my, with my soup, which I can have that night yeah. and that is just like, oh. So it had yam and Ooh. banana and plantain in oh. there, dumplings, Ooh. oh, dumplings. <laughs> and then the, 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 the soup water, just pepper, 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 oh. hot, 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 hot. And our family used to often have it with oxtail. It was oxtail mm-hmm, soup. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, having said that, you know, I'm not a lover of red meat. If right. put, put oxtail soup in front of me and I'm a happy human being. <laughs> so uh, and my big sister makes that for me every now and again. Um, and that is just, it's just, it's just soul food, you know. Yeah. Whatever food you have in the world, that food, what you had as a kid, that yep. just gives you that warm feeling inside. The smell, the taste. The, the feeling of just being back in our living room with our gas fire. Mm-hmm. And sometimes mum was, was up in that mood where she would, we would sit around the table. It was never quite enough. To, there were seven of us. and there was, I don't ever remember there always been enough chairs, but <laughs> that may just be a memory. Uh, um, but often we would just sit around in the living room on the floor in front mm-hmm. of the TV, just chatting and laughing and joking. And it was always rice and peas and everybody would have bones. Oh, I know this yeah. knife and fork business. <laughs> everybody just cleaned the bones and then there'd just be a pile of bones left at the end. And that was our happy yeah. time. So soul for my question to you is going to be is, you know, we talk, we talk about our uh, heritage food very much as soul food. Yes. You know, and I will often say, I'm going to lead for some soul food. Yeah. Um, and is that like, is that the same for you? Oh, is that yeah. kind of the same oh, vibe? Yes, it, it is. I mean, soul food is huge. That's a huge part of African American culture, like our foods. And, you know, it, it ranges from things like macaroni and cheese to candied yams, collard greens, um, fried chicken, mm. you know, potato salad. Yeah. All, you know, it, 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 I mean, there's just, it's rich food. It, it's food that it does, it warms you to your soul. And it, it reminds you of, you know, your family and, and how you grew up and, like you said, like the the different scents and the smells Mm -hmm. and it just brings back those memories. So um, it does, it just, it really gets into your soul. And I mean, Living here in Cumbria. Yeah, well, that was going to be my next question. How 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 are we finding that? How are we well, how are we getting our soul food? I just thank my grandmother, rest her soul, <laughs> for teaching me how to cook. Okay, because I can cook it for myself. Because otherwise, I don't think I if I if I couldn't cook those foods mm-hmm. and and have them. I've even introduced them to the you know the foods like my mac and cheese, my mm-hmm. baked mac and yeah. cheese, um, and you know fried chicken uh-huh. and things like that to my husband and. Um, my stepdaughter is his daughter mm-hmm. uh, and they they love it they there's, love there's, it. there's nobody out there that doesn't like soul yeah food. <laughs> how can you not how can, how you, can you not, you like, not soul like soul food <laughs> so now down in windermere we have um a couple of so we have some we have a little jamaican community oh, wow. um and um a couple of them have opened um takeaways or rest, no, we haven't quite got a restaurant yet but they cut they do pop-ups in various different places i've probably seen them so around. we have yeah, yardies yeah, okay. and they are oh, tell you when jeffrey sends me a text and says Janet, i've cooked up some food uh, I'm, I'm leaving some by your door i'm like oh uh, yes 
I love the jerk. I love mm-hmm. patties. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I like Jamaican food too. Yeah. So I'm going to have to definitely uh, seek that out. Absolutely. And <laughs> it's funny it. how we bonded over the macaroni cheese because if there's ever a party, I'm the person who has to make the macaroni cheese. You make cheese. the macaroni yeah. cheese. Yes, yeah, that's absolutely. that. I can relate to that. <laughs> So yeah, even yeah. if I'm coming all the way from here and I'm going straight to the party, they'll say, Jana, bring mac and cheese. Mm-hmm. So I will make it and bring it with me. And, and we have a saying that we, we say in America when the food is good, like the soul food is really good. We say, oh, you put your foot in that. Yeah. Like you put everything into it and, and it is the best. So I'm sure your mac and cheese, I bet you put your foot in I it. I put my foot in it. <laughs> and when we talk, we, you know, when we, when we write a card to a family member or a friend or anything like that, we'll always say, we love you like I love you like good cooked food. Oh, that's yeah. how I think. You know, good cooked food is so is soul food. I think with food we are definitely absolutely on the same page. Mm-hmm. I think if you have that West Indian heritage, then your soul food is, is literally your soul. Yeah, it is so absolutely. It makes a huge difference. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we have one last one last question yes. for each other. Okay. And uh, I, can't, I think we've kind of touched on it, um, mm-hmm. Nikaya, in many ways, in terms of how it, what it's like a black woman coming into a very, very white community, which which is Cumbria. I was saying earlier on, ninety eight percent of the population here is white, right. and then we have a lot of sheep. Yeah. Quite a few of those are black, to be fair. So, you know, I think they, I think they level out a bit, but a bit, bit more than the... Diversity the, the, yeah, in absolutely. the community. Absolutely. <laughs> but so, you, so you, you've already kind of answered my question about what it's like as a black woman um, coming into this kind of environment. But what would you like to see going forward as a black woman in a Cumbrian community? What would be, what would be your thing that you would like to see in, I don't know, say five years' time? I, I, I would like to see, I mean, if I'm really thinking about this, and this is a tough question, um, being as that, like, I've, I've only lived here for a short period of time, um, but I, I would like to see, I would like to see more Black people, <laughs> if that's okay, but uh, it would be, yeah, it would be nice to have that, but just um, the people here opening up. Um, to the idea of some different culture, cultural influence Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and events. Um, I I think it's wonderful to celebrate Cumbria, Mm -hmm. but we also need to say, well, who is in Cumbria? And while it may still be predominantly white, there are other people um, here, you know, Black and Asian, you know, ethnic minority mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think to have more events that celebrate mm. this, because these we all make this place what it is. Even though there might just be a handful of us, um, we make it what it is, and yeah. it. it, it, it it makes it unique and different and it can, it can be a good thing. And I think just being more open yeah. and accepting, accepting of people who are different yeah. Yeah. Um, is a good thing. I mean, I'll, I'll even speak on, you know, um, people who are homosexual, mm-hmm. um, gay, yeah. in that in this area, I've got friends who are gay and, you know, they tell me like, it's still like, oh, do we say anything? Mm. Can we be, you know, open? Can we come out? Mm. Like, 
can we be public? And there's still that, oh, we don't know. Can we do this? And uh, yeah, it's, I want everybody to be free to be who they are yeah. and let's all celebrate each other. So I think, yeah, definitely if we can start to go in this direction mm-hmm. of celebrating mm-hmm. and, and, and working together yeah. and um, yeah, let's just all support each other. Absolutely. Let's absolutely. Support each other. And I think also for companies, I think that's a really, I think your points are really, really valid. It is, it is about, it's a changing landscape. So we, you know, we, we, we're not Yorkshire or, um, or, or London mm-hmm. or, you know, uh, even Liverpool, where there's a, a, a much bigger multicultural society. But I think if we don't prepare ourselves for the change in our society, more people of colour, more black people, more nioters are now coming to Cumbria. Yeah. And more Cumbrians are going out into the world. Yeah. So they need, it needs to happen. The exchange needs to happen in both ways. Right. And, you know, we have, so here in Cumbria, we had um, the first black policeman in Cumbria. It was called yes, John Kent. Yeah. You know, that, that, needs to be celebrated and and understood you know we've had the first black sheriff Marcia Rotheringham Reed Fotheringham Reed yeah the first black sheriff female there are so many things that are slowly starting to seep in but there's so many pockets that still don't know about these things right and it's trying to really bring that out more and and you know we there was a big slave trade um trade going on here mm-hmm. uh you know the the, the shores of white haven yeah exactly. we, you know we, we we were not exempt from that and i think being on this edge of this little world or this big world you know this cumbrian piece of it sees itself very much as never having been part of any of this and so people come in as a bit strange to them but actually black people have been here for years and yeah. centuries yeah. um so you know it's, it's it's trying to get an understanding of that and letting them understand that it's yeah. actually okay and i would really like to see more black people using our beautiful landscape oh so yeah. black people on the fells mm-hmm. you know black people in the lakes black people on bikes you know let's make this place accessible for everyone yes, and make yes. sure that we're we're bringing everyone into yeah. that into that culture and if I look yeah. at the outdoors stuff yeah we see our black we see black people in athletics and we see black yeah. people in gymnastics and we see black people in football yeah <laughs> <laughs> but you know you know name me a black swimmer you right, know right, you know we've got right. these great lakes here yeah you know you know there's all this this open water swimming you know we don't celebrate there are people out there doing that but as a county, we kind of shy away from it, and oh no, we don't do that. We don't we don't get involved in that. So right. it would be good to see a lot more of that. So I'll just ask you as a kind of final question mm-hmm. then about Cumbria. What would you say Cumbria is doing right? Oh, Cumbria. Where are doing, we getting it right oh, in Cumbria? Cumbria is, <laughs> do you know something? Yeah, that's a really good question because one of the things I always say to people say, where do you live? And I say, I live in Cumbria. I live in Windermere. It's one of the most beautiful places in the world. I also say, I wouldn't live anywhere else. Yeah. So that speaks volumes. I have experienced racism here. I have... I know there are issues here. It's one of the reasons why we um, decided to create Anti-Racist Cumbria. We want this county to become the first anti-racist county in the UK so we have huge aspirations for it but it is a beautiful county they're doing so many things right on so Mm -hmm. many levels and just being able to one of the you know we were all in that lockdown 
Yeah. Uh, you know, back in March when, when, when we were locked down, rightly so, um, and we were locked down for a, a, a long period of time, I, I wouldn't want to be locked down anywhere else in the uh. world. I've said it so many times. Oh my like, gosh! If I had to be locked down, I'm 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 happy it was is here. Yeah, yeah. I, I've just seen so many places, especially in America. It's yeah, a mess. Yeah, so, absolutely. Um, I'm happy to be here. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> I could not imagine being locked down in a city. No, you know, it was great every day. Me and my girls, you know, they they they're eight and ten, and so you know they they cycle, but we would go to a place where we could cycle. During lockdown, we could cycle on all the roads. There were no cars. They were able to learn all their cycling skills and go up massive hills and down yeah. the other side with no one coming in either direction. And we were able to go down to the lake for our walks. Mm. You know, we had the weather on our side, didn't we, during oh, lockdown? Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, we were able to go down to, uh, it's, it's, it's 10-minute walks to, to the lake for us. Oh, lovely. And we would have the whole <laughs> lake to ourselves for the best part of an hour, and then we'd walk back up again. And I, I would just, and, and my girls are growing up with all that around them. You know, they can just put their wetsuits on and get in the lake, you know. And yeah. as little black girls... That is amazing because there are so many little black girls who have never even seen our lakes, no, you know, no, from the cities. True. So it is an amazing place. It's it's rich with 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 so much mm-hmm. culture and vibrancy. And I love the fact that it doesn't matter how long you live here, you will always be an offcomer. I think it's brilliant. It's just <laughs> the best thing, even though it seems like a really negative thing. I think it's done with such heart and warmth. That you know you you you've got to love the cupboards really yeah and, yeah you know, I married one so absolutely you know. <laughs> absolutely absolutely and they have so much warmth they yeah. really they 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 really do I know that if they were educated I don't want to say that cupboards aren't educated that sounds terrible I think if they had more education about black history mm-hmm. they would welcome black people with absolutely. open arms absolutely I think so too. I believe that as well. And that's all Cumbria needs to make it the actual best county in the world. There, I've said it. (laughs) Yeah. We're we're on the way. We're on the way. We're on the way. Yeah. We're on the way. It's been fantastic. Oh, wow. I'm so glad that we had the opportunity to have this conversation. It's been fun. It's been fun. Yeah. And learning about the same culture, but different. Yeah. It's really, really interesting. Yeah. You know, I think lots of time people sort of say, well, that's happening over in America. But a lot of our things are... They intertwine. They 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 connect. We are connected. And we are sisters. We are sisters. Well, we we (laughs) came from the same continent. (laughs) We came from Africa. And then we were spread around the world. But, you know, that we still have that connection. That's right. Awesome. Brilliant. Thank you, Janet and Nakaya, for letting us listen to your conversation. It's really great to have you here in the 66 region. Okay, so I found that really interesting and it was really insightful to be able to listen to those personal experiences. If you would like to join in the conversation, please do. You can send us a message on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Find us on Instagram as 66 People Places. Facebook, we are simply The 66 and Twitter, we are The 66 UK. Thanks for listening. The 66 Podcast, for all the people and places between the west coast of Cumbria and the Tees Valley. This is the UK's answer to Route 66.